I, I need to make this public so that no one will be offended. <laughs> Boy, that's a hoot, ain't it? The pastor's going to say something, and he don't want anybody to be offended. <laughs> I am revamping my Facebook, okay? And I, I really wanted to just close it all down. I don't use it very often. I don't, and, and I have some issues, but that's okay. Uh, I have issues beyond Facebook, so... <laughs> But I am, I, I am thinning it out. Now, I didn't know how to do this. I really didn't. But if I unfriend somebody, don't take it personal. Please, just don't take it personal. I have decided the best thing for me to do is just shut down the current account. Just delete it. And open up one. And it's only going to have my family uh, so I can keep up with grandkids and things like that. But, folks, please do not take it personal. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. And if you're on Facebook, praise the Lord, you know, this is a very personal thing. I just don't want to use it anymore. Uh, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow the group. Uh, I've, I've got friends I don't know. <laughs> you know, and, and, and some of the things, I, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be very candid, some of the things that bother me the most comes out of the Christian community, not out of this church. And I mean that. I have never read anything on Facebook inappropriate from anybody from this church. I never have, uh, you know, in, in recent history. Uh, but uh, from the global and, and national people, well, enough said. Enough said. Uh, so do not be offended. Don't take it personal. If, if I started out by trying to narrow down my friend list and, and you got eliminated, you know, please, uh, well, maybe I ought to talk to you. It could be you. Uh, I'm trying to keep this as light as possible by just explaining that I'm going to delete my old Facebook, open up a new one with just immediate family, and, and a few, you know, uh, that's it. Does that make sense? I, I, I'm sorry I struggled over that. I, just, I didn't want anybody to be offended, and I'm serious. I didn't want people to be offended. Take it personal, personal. Yeah, okay. All right, uh, big news. Uh, I got to go back to prison for a while. Yeah, Gary, <laughs> who's applauding out there? Are we having fun yet? <laughs> Gary, when are we going back in? This Thursday. That's what I thought. So we're going back into Lansing uh, for, uh, for a, a great night of praise and worship and the proclamation of God's word, and I'm excited. And just be praying for the team. Uh, I don't know how many we got signed up right now to go in, but uh, anyway, be praying for the team that uh, God would use us uh, in a way that will bring those men uh, to Christ and closer to him all the way through. So the preacher is going back to prison. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful, so thankful. I, I am just thankful for your plan called the church. Your plan. Jesus, your bride, your body. This, this great organism that, that you called into being and that you promised you were going to build the church, the body of Christ. And so thankful for every member in it as we celebrate your goodness and your grace, your love and your mercy. 
and your sustaining faithfulness to the people that you have called unto yourself. So through the remainder of our time together, Father, open our hearts that we may receive the message that you have for us. Please, O oh Holy Spirit, please do not allow me to get in the way of what you want to accomplish. And for every good thing that results from our time together, you alone are worthy, O oh Father, Son, O oh Holy Spirit, you alone are worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Getting up close and personal with the Son of God, we are opening up a series on 1 John. And today we'll have some introduction, we'll have some background, but we will have some meat to chew on. Uh, Stan said the first four verses and uh, does much uh, very adequately to lay the foundation for the rest of the book. This, this opening passage, we're going to see the reality of Jesus Christ. You see, folks, and this is important, and, and even it's always been important, but it seems to be so, so very, very, very important in these days of artificial intelligence and, and, and virtual reality. What is virtual reality anyway? Well, it's that which is unreal, right? <laughs> so, so we have all of these things in our modern terminology and vocabulary and all these experiences that take us away from reality. And we begin to create our own reality. And I assure you, if we create our own reality, it will not endure. It will not endure. So John opens up this letter talking about the real Jesus, the reality of Christ. And, and this is called an epistle. Does anybody know what an epistle is? It's the wife of the apostles. No, you got the apostles and you got their wives, the epistles. No? It's a letter. <laughs> it's a letter. That's it. It's a letter. In John's first writing, his gospel account, the gospel according to John, and then we have the three letters that John wrote, and then we have the revelation uh, to close out the book. And we'll be there in just a moment. So 1 John is, has, a, has a repetition in it of three themes. Light versus darkness, love versus hate, truth versus error. And these three strands run through two tests. We will be tested as we study this book. It is a book, a letter of test. The first test is the test of fellowship. And John wants us to know that God is light. And there are three uh, uh, sub-points in this test, th part of the test. Those three are the test of obedience, the test of love, and the test of truth. The second major exam that we'll go through is the test of sonship. God is love. And guess what the three exams are there? The test of obedience, the test of love, and the test of truth. We live in a time when many people call themselves Christians, and this is a serious moment, a serious note. And they really believe they are Christians. They really believe they have fellowship with God. But many think they are sons and daughters of God, but they are not. Now, you're going to have to stay with me on this because I'm not calling the judgment here. The Word of God is going to call the judgment, and we'll get there in just a moment. The key verse 
a key verse, and, and after John gives us a, a, a charge to examine our own lives very carefully, a key verse emerges in 1 John 5, verses 12 through 13, whoever has the Son has life, whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. We're going to rest our, our sermon around those, those two verses. I ran across a new book here recently. I haven't ordered it yet, but I've read the reviews on it and, and, and extrapolated a few things from it uh, just in the bits and pieces that have been published in promotion. And it's called The Great Dechurching. Has anyone seen that book yet? The Great Dechurching. And it's talking about the dechurching of America, where in recent history, uh, approximately, and I don't know where they get these numbers, but these people are smarter than me, so I'll, I'll, I'll just use them. The, the, like 40 million people in America in recent years who at one time were regularly going to church have quit going to church. 40 million people. And they've called it the dechurching. Christianity by profession and attendance and, and, and commitment is continuing, continuing to decline at the most rapid rate in America. So the question is, is the church getting smaller? Is it really de-churching America? And my response, and I want to get the book and read it, but my response is no. It's we're being rechurched. We're not being de-churched. God is getting his bride together, folks. And the chaff is beginning to fall off. All the weeds are beginning to, to, to die out. And, and this is the reality of Scripture. And Scripture tells us these things are going to happen in the latter days. Hallelujah. And so the church is not being de-churched. The church isn't getting smaller. The church is just, is, is, in its size and reduction of size, is, is emerging as the real church. This is reality. The church is smaller than it originally looked. That is a virtual reality. You've heard of the virtual church. Okay? That's a, that's a virtual reality. Now we're down to the real reality. I, uh, I thought of terms, uh, some old-fashioned terms. Uh, anybody heard of uh, what a flash in a pan is? Anybody heard that old term? It, yeah. Uh, anybody that knows anything about black powder or muskets, particularly muskets, flintlocks, that's where the term came from. Okay. You, you would, uh, I, here, I got so interested in this, I looked it up. You ready? Now, everybody needs to know this about muskets. This is important to your spiritual life. A pan in the term flash in the pan refers to the piece of a musket that holds gunpowder. When a musket is fired with gunpowder in the pan but no bullet, there is a flash and a loud noise, but nothing else happens. That's a flash-in-the-pan believer. That's a flash-in-the-pan believer. They, they show up, they come, they, they, they have a, a, a big splash, a big flash, uh, but no boom-boom. A sudden spasmodic effort that accomplishes nothing. That's according to Webster. One that appears promising but turns out to be disappointing and worthless. We should move on. We should move on. Because we haven't even got to the Scripture yet. I want to challenge, and I accept this challenge first and foremost, 
to really examine myself. And even greater than that, because my judging of myself is not going to be adequate. It will be filled with error. But if the Holy Spirit examines me, truth will emerge. So I am challenging us all to allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and minds, to see how we're doing in accordance with what John writes in his first epistle or first letter. Would you please stand at the reading of God's word? Out of 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Wow. Father, please bless the reading of your word. And through these precious words of scripture, the text before us, may we find true transforming power through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. John, the author of the gospel account, there are three epistles or letters, as this is the first, that bear his name, and then there is a revelation. Let me very quickly give you a summary because there is a, a, a continuity in these three categories of John's writings. In John's gospel, we have an emphasis on salvation. In his first epistle, we have emphasis on sanctification. And in the Revelation, we have emphasis on glorification. In the Gospel of John, we look at past history. In the Epistle, present experience. And in Revelation, future hope. In the Gospel of John, Christ died for us. In the Epistle, Christ lives in us. In Revelation, Christ comes for us. In John's Gospel, we have the Word made flesh. In his Epistle, we have the Word made real in us. And in the Revelation, we have the Word conquering. Amen? Jeremiah tells us a little bit about John, excuse me, Dr. David Jeremiah, tells us a little bit about the gospel of John very quickly and very in, in, in rapid summary. He says that we know a little about him from his gospel accounts. We know little else about the apostle. Fragments do have, uh, uh, there's enough there to make us yearn to notice a little more about this man. We know that John was a pillar of the church in Jerusalem following the ascension of Christ. We also know that he left Jerusalem sometime before the Roman legions under Titus conquered Rome or, or conquered and destroyed the temple in 70 AD. After that, we kind of lose him. We kind of we lose him. We don't know exactly where he's at. 
But an emperor named Domitian, anybody ever heard of this guy? He was not a nice fellow. Uh, he made Nero look like a uh, qualified babysitter, okay? It is said that Domitian took John and for the pleasure of the crowd in the Colosseum, dropped him in a vat of boiling oil to which John emerged unscathed. Early church tradition. We do not have an account for that in Scripture. I do not present it as absolute fact. Okay? We have some reliable early writings that tell us these things, but we never equate that to the Word of God. Okay? So then we find out that uh, Domitian was so upset with John, he couldn't seem to kill him, so he banished him to a rocky outcropping in the Aegean Sea called Patmos. And does anyone know what happened on the Isle of Patmos? Jesus showed up again. Jesus showed up again. So that is a very, very quick rundown of John's history. Uh, he died somewhere around 100 uh, uh, A.D. probably, very old. But he was the last survivor that we know of, of the apostles. So back to our text. After we have introduced the author and we've kind of established a reason our first preaching point is the presentation of the Christ we preach. This is life revealed. The presentation of the Christ that we preach. As I said earlier, we live in a virtual world. The advancement of AI, artificial intelligence, is dominated and will further be used to deceive the entire world. Do you know that you can go online right now? And get all your questions answered from a virtual Jesus, from an AI Jesus. Did you know that? Please don't waste your time searching for it. Please don't. You know, uh, I run across these things and I don't spend very much time with them at all because I really prefer the real thing. So that's where I concentrate my studies. But there is out there and becoming extremely popular, hugely popular across the U.S., to go to the AI Jesus, the virtual Jesus, and get all the answers for their woes. Folks, we've had it for a very, very long time. Way before computers, way before advanced technology, way before all of this stuff, way before Google. Did you know that there was life on earth before Google? Did you know that? It's hard to believe. That mankind could have survived without Google. Whew. But that is the world we live in, folks. That is the world we live in. Virtual Jesus has the answers to all the problems. No, the real Jesus has the answer to all of life's problems. I am convinced there is still a longing for something real. I am absolutely convinced of that in our culture. This is the point of John's introduction. Jesus is real. He's real. The life he gives is real. Not fake, not artificial, not fragile, not frilly. It's real life. He is the word of life. In him is life. Jesus is real, folks. He is real. John's opening in the gospel account. Listen to these words from John, the gospel account, chapter 1. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now listen, pause very quickly. Do you see the connections that we're going to be going through in 1 John? Light and darkness, life and death, all these things we'll be covering again. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. There it is, a witness. That's another point of John's writing. Oh, this is good. To bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, has coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth do you see any parallels in these writings they're tremendous and here in our epistle as we return to the letter John makes sure we know who this Jesus is he's the son of God he's the son of God so let's jump to the end of John 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal Father. Listen again to today's text. Just allow me to read and let's listen as I read the, the text one more time. Emphasis, look for the word, manifest or made known or revealed that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes and we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life the life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim it to you the eternal life which was with the father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Listen to what Peter writes in his first epistle. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. There it is again. Jesus is real. Let's just, let's just say it all together. Jesus is real. Amen. Next, John shows us the power of personal testimony. The power of personal testimony. This is life experienced life experienced the text clearly describes a personal encounter with jesus christ now some might say well john is different he did physically see physically touch physically hear i can't do that yes you can yes you can just as surely as there are five physical senses there are at least five spiritual senses let me expound I can see, 
through my spiritual eyes of faith. I can smell because we are the aroma of Christ. I can touch because we know that the Holy Spirit touches our hearts and our minds. I can hear because spiritual ears are attuned to spiritual things which the unspiritual man cannot discern. And I can taste because the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I challenge you to know that we have five spiritual senses. So just as surely as John could see, hear, touch, smell, <laughs> and all those things, we can too. Amen? We can too. Now, listen to what Jesus tells Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? All right, listen to this. This is key. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, Jesus is just as real now as he was when he was standing in that room with Thomas. Just as real. Just as powerful. And he wants to manifest himself to you. Jesus is real, and only truly born-again believers can tell you. Yes, I have seen him. Yes, I have heard him. Yes, I have touched him, and he changed my life forever. He changed my life forever. It is every Christian has a testimony. And listen to me carefully, also very carefully. Every Christian has a testimony. It breaks my heart when I hear someone say, I don't know if I have a testimony. I have to tremble a little bit wondering if you know Jesus. Now let's, let's, let's embrace this just for a moment. The question is, do you have a testimony? Your testimony will be different than anybody else's because it's unique to you. But your testimony will be the same as everybody else's because you have experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. But the life-changing power of Jesus Christ brings a testimony. And listen, don't, don't rate testimonies. I get weary of rating testimonies. Well, you ought to hear that. They have this, this great testimony, and I appreciate that. God bless those people who have been through the pits of fire and hell and came out on the other sm side smelling like Jesus instead of death. Amen? So those testimonies are powerful. But you know what? If I may pick on my brother Gary Spillman, there isn't too many of us, none probably in this room, that will ever have the testimony that Gary Spillman does. Because nobody here has spent 47 years behind bars. Right? That's powerful testimony. It is. But listen to me. And Gary won't be offended by this. It's no more powerful than the little kid who was raised in a Christian home by a Christian mom and dad that nurtured them and took care of them and raised them in the word. Not just raise them in church. Don't raise your kid in church. Raise them in Jesus. There is a difference, right? Raise your kids in Jesus. And at some point in time, that child grows and accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Never murdered anybody. Maybe never, never used dope. Maybe never did all those things. But if they're truly saved, 
that's just as powerful as delivering a murderer from prison after 47 years. Do you hear me? Just as powerful because both of you were dead at one time and now Christ has made you alive. That's a testimony. And we need to share our testimonies because we will all connect with different people. That's the beauty of it. The body of Christ. My testimony is different. I'm going to connect in special ways to different people. My testimony is critical because it reveals the real Jesus. The real Jesus. Everybody's testimony is critical. Okay. Everybody take a breath. Do we have a piece about that? You know, you know, folks, I, I have sat and, 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 and I've wept, I've cried with, with alcoholics and drug users because that's me. That's me. And, and I know that Jesus can, can intervene in that. I know, I know, I know that he can. And he loves us. You probably never had those experiences, right? But your testimony is just as powerful and somebody out there, some lost person needs to hear your testimony urgently so they can connect with the Jesus that saved you. Do you have a testimony? The joy of sharing the most important person in your life. The joy, John says. We have life revealed. We have life experienced. Finally, the purpose of proclaiming these truths, life shared. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. Why? So that you may have fellowship with us. Why is that important? And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son. And remember the test? Fellowship is a test. Do you pass or fail? Do I pass or fail in the test of fellowship? Wiersbe gives us some insight. The word fellowship is an important one in the vocabulary of Christians. It simply means to have in common. As sinners, men have nothing in common with the holy God. But God in his grace sent Christ to have something in common with men. Christ took on himself a human body and became a man. Then he went to the cross and took on that body the sins of the world. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed, Second or 1 Peter 2 and 24. Now listen to this. Because he paid the price for our sins, the way is open for God to forgive us and take us into his family. When we trust Christ, we become partakers of the divine nature. His divine nature has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us into his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you, us, may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world. So, so, so do you get the equation here? Christ took on the form of man so that he could die for man and through that death, for man, we can now be partakers of his divine nature. That's what Peter writes. Now, you're not going to be little gods, okay? No little gods allowed. But we're talking about those spiritual life of Christ, the eternal life that he brings, and the desire for holiness and purity as he is holy and pure. If we look at partakers in, first, in Peter's epistle that we just read about, partakers of the divine nature, it's the same Greek word translated fellowship in 1 John 1, 3. They're the same. They're the same. You know what, folks? We live in a lonely world, don't we? 
We live in the loneliest world that has probably ever existed in the history of mankind. We are so virtually connected that we are not connected at all. We are not connected. Fellowship is a critical aspect of the church. And I'm telling you, and, 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 and for the, you're just going to have to forgive me if you don't agree with me. Someday you'll know that I was right. So, you know. But listen, don't you buy the lie of the devil that you can have the same fellowship through texting as you can through eye-to-eye sit down and talk. It's impossible. It's impossible. I was watching, oh my goodness, we're out of time. I was watching this special the other day in a bored moment, and it was about Alexander Graham Bell and the invention of the telephone and, and where that went, you know, and how rapidly it spread and changed the world. And, and, but it was slow. It, 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 in some areas, very slow. People said, I like Western Union. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is so cool. I made a mental note of it, and, and the Holy Spirit brought it to mind, so it must be important, right? Adam, if, yeah. It wasn't in my notes, right? So, anyway, they want Western Union. You know the reason they wanted Western Union and it's over the telephone? Because they could send a message to someone and anxiously wait for the message to come back. Texting! I said, Connie, did you hear that? I said, they don't want to talk on the telephone. The Western Union had texting long before the Internet. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Or tragic? I don't know. So you send a message, and you wait for the message to return. Oh, we need more than dots and dashes, folks. We need more than dots and dashes. And I text, just like I assume most, and I'll be general, most people have some type of texting. But I'm going to tell you right now, if I want to talk to you about something halfway serious, important, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you, and we'll begin with a personal phone conversation and then we'll move to a personal visit if necessary. But I will contact you, not by text. I won't do it. And I won't put a message on Facebook. I won't use Messenger. I'm I'm, I'm not getting off on my high horse again. I'm just saying I believe that God wants us to have a real life with a real Savior and live out in real relationships and real fellowship. And you cannot do it electronically. You can't do it. Enough said. Second person proclaiming these truths. Man is lonely. They have a a need to be wanted, to be included. And we have a message. Number one, Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. You're never lonely if you have a relationship with Christ. He said, I am with you always. You're never lonely if you have a real relationship with the real person of Jesus Christ. And John explains the secret of fellowship with God the Father that we might have completed joy. There it is. That we might have completed joy. Fellowship is God's answer to loneliness. Joy is God's answer to emptiness. Let me say that again. Fellowship is God's answer to loneliness. Joy is God's answer to emptiness. People without Christ in their lives live empty. Hollow lives. A relationship with Christ is the only thing that can fill that and bring joy to that life. Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy At your right hand 
our pleasures forever. Life that is real produces joy that is real, not a limp, lifeless substitute. It's real joy. So also, you have sorrow now, John, or Jesus says in John 16, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And listen to these closing words from Peter in his first letter. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Brothers and sisters, that is the gospel found in John's first letter. I pray that we will embrace our journey together as we continue through this powerful epistle. Yes, we will be tested. But know this, if you are in a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ, you've already aced it. You've already aced it. Father, thank you for your word. Living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Oh, yes, it cuts. It cuts deep but it also heals wonderfully. It is the balm of Gilead, and it heals the tattered soul. Father, thank you for life. Thank you for joy that is in that life. Thank you for hope. Thank you for Jesus, my real Savior, my real Savior, and the only Savior the world will ever know. For it's in his name and for his glory we pray. Amen. If you do not know this Jesus that we have talked about this morning, I assure you we have people standing by that can introduce him to you very clearly, very simply. But I want you to know he's real. He's real. And if you have an encounter with him, somebody's going to change. And since he's immutable, guess who it is? If you have an encounter with Jesus, you're going to be changed. You're going to be changed. So just get ready. But what a ride. What a life.